you feel shame from the past, the antidote is not you believing that you're going to go to heaven one day. Right? If you feel guilty about what you've done, the answer is not, well, at least I'm going to go to heaven one day and I won't feel guilty anymore. Right? If you feel condemned and you feel like God's mad at you or feels like God's judging you, the antidote is not, hey, I'm, you know, at least I'm going to go to heaven one day. That is not. And those are three of the biggest tools of the enemy. Right? I mean, if we, if we took a show of hands, I don't even need to, but it'd be amazing how many people felt at least one of those three things or been attacked in one of those three things just this week, if not today, if not during worship. Right? right? Like, so many times we come in to worship Jesus and immediately what starts hitting our hearts and hitting our minds is what we've done or where we've been or what we haven't done or who we haven't been. Right? Is that, is that true? Am I the only person that's like that? Like when you say, all right, I'm going to worship Jesus and, and set my mind on him, immediately all these things start to hit your mind. It's not an accident, right? That's because you have an enemy and you live a life that's worthy of the gospel and he's trying to crush that understanding in your life. And it's really so funny because it's not even about us. It's never about us, ever about us, right? It's all about him. And it's about he's trying to taint this picture of the cross and taint this picture of what Jesus has accomplished, because if he can get you to believe and get you to stand up here and worship and, 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 but still have a feeling of shame about who you used to be, then he won, right? Because what he did is just nullified the cross, which we were, we're all singing about. Do you see that? Like if you stand here, you can sing all the right words and be attacked in your mind. And I'm not saying that the attack is wrong. It's actually a proof that you believe something. But... It's coming against what Jesus has accomplished and he's nullifying the cross in your own heart because he can't stop God, obviously, right? It's so funny because the, 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 the scriptures say if Jesus or if the, the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified Jesus. That means that they had no clue how God's plan. And by killing Jesus, they've like played right into his plan it, like fools, like pawns on a chessboard, Right? So they, can't, they know they can't stop God, but the only thing that they can do is they can take him off the throne in your heart, right? So he can't, he, do, he can't stop the power of the gospel, but he can stop the power of you believing the gospel. Well, he can stop you from believing the gospel and experiencing the power of the gospel. Does this make sense? Yeah. This is really good, right? Simon, you should get your notepad out. <laughs> we, uh, if you guys have a question at any time, raise your hand, okay? This is what we do. Um, raise your hand and we'll answer it, or I'll try to answer it. If I don't, Jared will answer it. So he has the microphone. Um, but three things, and this is what I want to establish, or this is what I want to kind of combat, is three things. Guilt, condemnation, and shame are all things that should not be in our lives ever when we understand but the, there are three things that the enemy attacks you so much. Are you wearing your John 316 socks and that's what you're showing me? Don't. <laughs> Bailey, you're married a dork, dude. <laughs> right? Guilt, condemnation, and shame. Three taxes of the enemy. You know what guilt does? does anyone, what does guilt do? Guilt, guilt looks back and says, man, I wish I could go back and change it, but there's no way to change it, right? Condemnation says that you're worthy of judgment and God's wrath is still upon you and you're not worth it. And then shame says all the stuff that you're thinking about is still who you are. Those are those three things. 
let me propose to you, the answer is always and will always be the cross and the resurrection for all three of those things. Because when we understand what I'm about to read, when we understand that the gospel was not about us just going to heaven, but about us dying so that we could live, then we understand it'll, it'll make a lot more sense that these three tactics is what the enemy tries to attack, right? Man, look at this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. <clears throat> I told you guys beforehand where we were going. I'm like, Jesus, I told you beforehand that I was going to die, and you still don't believe it. You ever read how many times that Jesus told his disciples that he was going to die? And they were just like, dang it. And then we're the same way. Like, he tells us all these things, and we're just like, dang it. And he just keeps telling us something in faith. So verse 19, for I, Paul saying, for I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. On Hill, is that your scripture right there? Is that what saved you? Right? Will you read that in my in my basement, Anhel? Yeah. And then, then what happened? I just read the scripture in our basement, and Anhel's like, "If righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain." Because ultimately, if you can be made right with God based on your own effort or your own ability to be made right with God, then Jesus died in vain, and his his sacrifice was not worth it. Man, none of us would say that out loud, but Paul just did, right? And we trust in our own ability, and we trust in our own righteousness, and we trust in our own, our own way of being made right with God or being accepted by God or being loved by God, and all of those things prove that you don't believe that Jesus' sacrifice was enough, right? Don't, don't nullify the grace of God. Don't nullify his sacrifice by your own effort. <clears throat> but look at this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's proving that the gospel is not just a, a ticket to go to heaven, but it's a life that you're laying down so that you can live a different life. Right? Like, I'm sorry if you came into the gospel with an understanding of, man, I just accepted Jesus into my heart and didn't die. We got to straighten those things out. Because so many times we come in, and this is why, okay? So let's say, let's say Tyler is an addict. He comes in and he says, oh, I want to accept Jesus. I see my need for a Savior. I see that I struggle. I see that I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I see that I'm not measuring up. If Tyler just accepts Jesus into his life and doesn't die to who he was, then he's going to continue with the identity of an addict into his Christianity when God doesn't see him that way. Does that make sense? If, we just, if Tyler just believes like, hey, if you leave today and you, and you hit a tree and died and you didn't know where you were going, then come up here and pray this prayer. Tyler's going to leave still an addict, but the gospel says that he's been crucified with Christ and now it's not him who lives any longer, but it's Christ who lives in him. You understand this is freedom. Man, I pray that we can see this. 
Like Colossians chapter 3 says, you died and your life is hidden in Christ. You didn't just pray a prayer to go to heaven. You didn't just pray a prayer to accept Jesus into your life. Now Jesus came into your life, when, but you died. And now he came completely inside of you to live a life inside of you. But if we don't understand that we died, then this is what will happen. Like I said, guilt, condemnation, and shame. These three things will, ridicule, will rob you and, and rule your life. Because if Tyler, he'll be sitting up here standing, worshiping God with his arms raised high, thankful that he saved him, right? We all are thankful that Jesus saved us. Thankful that he saved him, but still have flashbacks and memories and still believe in his heart that he is still who, he's, who he was set free from. If he doesn't understand that he died to it. If he, doesn't, if he doesn't understand that the identification with Jesus is not just the identification, well, yeah, I believe in him, but I'm identifying with his death and his burial, and I'm also identifying with his resurrection. Right? Tyler doesn't just die to who he was, but he also lives to who God has intended him to be. He also lives to who God always intended him to be. Does that make sense? This is why it's so incredible. Has anyone ever had the thought or ever felt like, um, like why would Jesus do that for me? Or how, to, like how can Jesus love me? Has anyone ever had that thought? Raise your hand if you're honest. Like look around. A lot of people have had that thought. That's because we don't understand and we should understand. I'm not saying we in this room. I'm just saying we've at large not understood that Jesus has an eye to see Tyler apart from his sin and see Tyler for who he could be if he accepted and believed. Because who Tyler could be if he accepted and believed in Jesus and gave his life and died to who he was, who that is is ultimately who, Ty- who God originally intended Tyler to be apart from sin. Mm-hmm. Right? Long before the foundations of the world, what God had in, Ty- in, in store for Tyler was Tyler apart from what sin has done because God and sin are not the same. Sin does not come from him. So when he takes away sin, now you're everything that you are. Right? Jesus, let me say it this way. Jesus comes out of the water, John the, baptize, John, the, John the Baptist baptizes him. What does he say? Behold the Lamb of God, Behold the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sins of the world. Doesn't cover them, doesn't just look past them. He takes them away. Because when he takes them away, now Tyler can live a life that he was always created to live. Are there any questions on that? If we, don't lie, if we don't die, we'll never be free. If we don't die, if we don't die to everything that we were, because everything that you were before Jesus was all a lie. Yeah. We got to get in the microphone so everyone can hear it. Um, simple question. Is it going to be it? a simple question? Are you, just, are you just saying that? How do you die? How do you die? That's so good. Um, <clears throat> man, I should have filled up some water. You know? No, you... The river's running. But no. No, there is... How do you die ultimately is like... You understand? The gospel was never meant to be preached outside of death. So that's part of the reason. That's part of the issue is, is, is we preach that, man, let me just say it. I'm going to say this the best way that I can without making people mad. But we preach this to where, hey, if you want to accept Jesus, come up here or raise your hand right now in a dark room and you can believe in him. But when the apostles preached Jesus, they said, hey, anyone wants to believe Jesus, 
They're like, you need to repent from everything that you were and you need to come and we'll put you in water and you're going to identify with his death. So when you, it's not just you believing in something, it's actually you identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? What we worship and what we, what we sing today is a death, burial, and resurrection gospel. And then when we identify and give ourselves to it, that's why I take Jared and says, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. Immediately we take him into the water, put him under the water because everything that he was dies in that water. Everything, like, that's why practically what it looks like is giving yourself to the death. And then something in, I don't really understand how it works, but something in the water, something in the faith, something in the spirit, when I lift Jared out of the water, everything is brand new about him. And now he's, he, he didn't just, he, he doesn't just go back to the water and say, man, I wish I could pull that man back out of there, right? He doesn't identify, Tyler doesn't identify with the identity of, man, I'm an addict, when he understands that he died and now he's alive. So now he has to identify with, man, what does it look like for me to live? What does it look like for me to live by faith? What does it look like for me to live by, according to the gospel? And what does it look like for me to live according to what Jesus paid for? Because like I said, we, we celebrate the resurrection, but then we, we just think that, I don't, I don't really know. Like the resurrection was something. Jesus died to something so that he could live for something. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8 says that, that God condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Right? So in the flesh of Jesus, he absolutely crushed and annihilated sin in the flesh of Jesus. This is why condemnation is nothing, should be nothing in a, in a Christian's mind, and the answer is always the gospel. It's because we've all been, we've all been hit by it. It's because this is what the enemy says. He, he'll come and tell you that you're not worthy, or he'll come and tell you that you're not lovable, or he comes and tells you that God doesn't love you, or he's mad at you, or he's angry at you. Can you imagine, seriously, like Jared said, if Jesus walked in the room with scars in his hand from the wrath of God being poured out on his body for your sin and then for you to tell him that, that God is still mad at you for the sin that you committed? That'd be incredible. That would be incredible for Jesus to stand there and go, hey, literally hands with holes in them from the wrath of, like, sin was not just a, man, we gotta, sin was not just a, like, God didn't just wink at sin. So many times I think that we think that. Like, we feel condemned because we don't truly understand that the wrath and the power and the fury of God on sin was poured out in the body of Jesus. Right? Isaiah 53 says it. Like, he, he, he took, it was our infirmities, he bore our sicknesses, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Everything became who Jesus, like, he took on our sin so that we could be made free. But he took on our sin and then God nailed him to the cross and poured out all the anger on sin, all the fury, all the wrath on sin so that he would never have to do it for you. Does that make sense? That's amazing to me. And then we sit there, like all honesty, we sit there in our minds and let a voice from the enemy come and tell us that we're not worthy or that God is still mad or angry at us, right? We let a little thought process that's like, man, God must not be pleased with me. Man, God doesn't, like, he's still mad at me. Man, he's still mad about the sin that I committed. All the time, Jesus is standing there with holes in his hand, judged by God. And literally, look at what we just sang, with God himself turning his back on his son, it's the antidote for, it's the antidote for condemnation. Right? You'll never live condemned ever again when you understand what Jesus has done. You'll never live another day in condemnation when you understand what Jesus has done. Because it will not have a voice ever again. And I pray that we live our lives like that. Like, whenever I, like, and I still am attacked and feel it and fall into it. And it's like, 
I'm like, Lord, I believe that I need to see your gospel completely clear so I'll never live another day in condemnation, right? That's why Romans chapter 8 says, now there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? What is, like, can somebody define condemnation for me? Left side of the room, because the right side of the room always pulls it out. Right, a condemned building. Exactly, not fit for use worth nothing, right? When you condemn a building, not fit for use, worth nothing, just really just needs to be destroyed, right? That's really good. And then Jesus comes along and says, hey, I see something different in this building. I'm just going to take it. I'm going to buy it back. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to redeem it back to reality. I'm going to redeem it back to, the, to, the, to what is in my heart for the vision for this building. That's what he's done with our lives. Condemnation will have no place to land when we understand what the gospel has done. And here's the thing, and I'm not just, we, we think that that's an elementary principle and then we move on to greater things when we should always live there and always stay there. Like I always say that I'm a gospel junkie because I need it. Like it's so easy for me to get wrapped up in all these other things and then I start to feel this underlying sense of like condemnation when God's not the one condemning me but there's a voice saying it from somewhere else. Right? I need to come back to the sacrifice of Jesus and I need to come back to the remembrance of what he's done. I need to come back like Paul and them, or Peter and them guys, they saw the holes in his hands, they saw him resurrected and they're just like, and now they're starting to see like, holy cow. Everything that I was has been, has been paid for. Right? I believe like one of the things that will set a lot of people free is that God doesn't just, I don't normally preach like this, I'm preaching like very soberly. This is good. But I think, like, I'm normally wild, but I think that one of the things that people struggle with is just, like, they look back at their life, and when you don't understand what Jesus, when we don't understand truly and see truly what he's done on the cross, and the, the wrath of God and the forsaking of, of God on Jesus, then we look at our sin and we don't believe that it was paid for. Does that make sense? We think that it was paid for, but like in a general sense. We don't say like, hey, that sin that keeps coming up in your mind that you're sorry for, that you wish you could go back and change, that, sh that you wish you never did, that you feel bad about, that sin right there was paid for, looked on in its fullness on the body of Jesus, and God poured his wrath out on that sin right there. Like it wasn't just, God didn't, like I said, God didn't just wink at it and say, well, we'll just pretend like that didn't happen. Like he 100% faced it and, and judged it in the body of Jesus. That's freedom. This is why, this is so good, dude. But like, and I'm answering like guilt and condemnation together here. But like, you ever see those old tracks that like, they like, God get, or you get to heaven and like God plays all his, all his, like all his sin or all your sins on like the big screen. Has anyone ever seen that track? They used to, you didn't have tracks in LA or San Diego? <laughs> there was like, has anyone ever seen that track? You guys know what I'm talking about? It was like, has anyone ever put my shows like I have? Has anyone ever believed that like when you get to heaven, God's going to play your sins on the big screen? Right? Stacey? <laughs> right, that's what people said. Like, and you're like, that God's going to play his screens on the big screen? Or play your, play your sins on the big screen? Listen to this, okay? This is so good. This is why, go to Romans chapter 6. This is why, he 
Hebrews chapter 8, God says, this is a covenant that I will make with them, a new covenant. He says, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Literally, it is the new covenant that God would not remember your sin anymore. And then we've taught a generation that when we stand before the Lord, he's going to remember everything that you've ever done when he promises that his covenant would be that he, you never remember your sin any longer. And this is why it's so important for you to understand that you died and your life is hidden in Christ and you've been resurrected to newness of life. It's because Luke's old past life, his sins, if God kills that man in the power of the gospel, when Luke gives his life to Jesus, gets in the water, he's water baptized, he comes up brand new, that God takes his old life and kills the old man, he's crucified with Christ, and now the new man is resurrected, then why would God remember the man that he killed? Does that make sense? Why would God look back and bring up something that God killed that was his plan to crucify? Does this make sense? This is why guilt starts to get washed away, because what you wish you could go back and, and, and change... If we understand that that man's long dead and gone, then these things will never, never have hold in our life anymore. Right? Yeah, you got a question? Go ahead. Are you nervous to ask it, Jana? I'm just kidding. You always look nervous to ask. talking about, like, um, we are free of our guilt because of Jesus and our shame, our condemnation, but what about, and I know the answer is yes, but I think myself a lot of guilt and condemnation mm -hmm. can come because of the choices that you made and how it affected other people mm -hmm. especially yeah. as a Christian who made poor choices yeah. and gave other people the wrong image yeah. of God like that the enemy really pours on Absolutely. like okay I'm forgiven mm -hmm. but what about all those other people that mm -hmm. Absolutely know? that's a super good question that's, that's the biggest go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 I'm sorry this is, that'll answer your question. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He's gone now. He left. He's abandoned. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It's crazy because like guilt is one of the things that rob Christians so much because now that you know and now that you see, you wish you could go back and change it and do it differently, right? Like once you understand, once you see clearly, like you wish you could go back and, and do things differently because now you see. Here's the thing is, and this won't answer your question, but this is just good to understand is the fact that you wish you could go back and change it and do things differently proves that that person's not alive and there's a new person that's alive, right? The fact that you wish you could go back and do that differently because that hurt this person and that hurt this person and not even that it hurt this person, I just wish I never did it because now I would never do that. I would never give myself to that. That proves that you're alive on the inside, that that old person is washed away, right? Like that, that feeling, that's, it's so crazy because like guilt, man, what is this echo up in here? I'm just kidding. Um, that guilt, 
I'm sorry. I forgot, Kevin. I forgot you were back there. I wouldn't have said that if you were back there. I thought Simon was running it from the front. It's like any time that there's a mic issue, everyone's just like, where's the sound guy? No. Nobody knows who you're back there until there's a problem. Right? But that's why, like I said, condemnation, guilt, and shame. We've already hit condemnation. We're going to talk about guilt, and then we'll hit shame. All three of those things, you can't, like, those won't, you can't be condemned unless you're, unless your heart's alive. You can't feel guilt unless you're, unless you're changed. You can't feel shame unless something's actually transformed in your life, right? None of those things have any place to land when you're not, when you're not free, when you're not born again, when you're not alive. Does that make sense? So think about this. When, before you knew Jesus, does anyone remember what before you knew Jesus? Did you ever have any condemnation or shame from what you were doing? You were just hurting people, didn't even care, right? That's because your heart wasn't alive. That's because you weren't free. Once you receive Jesus, immediately you start to feel shame or you start to feel condemnation or you start to feel guilty for what you've done, either whether it be what you're doing or whether it be what you've done. That's because your heart's alive and God starts to transform the way that you think. Does that make sense? Super good. The fact that you can cry over things and be, and be like hurt by things that you've done proves that you're alive on the inside. Right? Like people that don't know Jesus that are just living for whatever don't have any conviction in their heart. That proves that you're born again. So enjoy, enjoy being born again. All right, so look at this, verse 8. This is for Jana's question. Super good. <clears throat> so Paul writes this, um, the, the first letter of the Corinthians, and rebukes them for some things, for a lot of things, but for some things. This is what he's writing, the second letter to the Corinthian church. For even if I made you sorry... Um, with my letter, I do not regret it. For though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from, from us in nothing. For godly, this is really good, you should write this down. For godly sorrow leads to repentance. Um, or godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, but not to be regretted, right? Guilt or regret. But the, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indig indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, and what vindication. In all things, you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Right? I think sometimes we feel like, especially when we share, like when Jesus is shared, we don't want people to feel bad, but it's good for people to feel bad. Does this make sense? It's good for you to have a godly sorrow that leads you to repentance. It's so funny because like when you accept Jesus, you need to see yourself, you need to see your need for a savior. A lot of times, one of our biggest problems is we come into the gospel believing that we brought things into it or we were not that bad. Like, you need to understand that, like, you, apart from Jesus, has nothing good in you and that you were an enemy of the cross and you did everything that was wrong. And we need to understand that and let that godly sorrow produce repentance that leads to salvation, right? Now, the flip side of that is a worldly sorrow produces regret or guilt 
looking back, regret you can never go back and change, right? But godly sorrow leads to salvation, which is a saving and a, like he's talking about, a clearing of yourself, a vehement desire, which is a pursuit of truth and an indignation against a lie. Because the lie is that Tyler is still an addict for what he's done. But godly sorrow, Tyler saw his need for a savior, repented, gave his life to Jesus, and now it brought him salvation. And it produced, that godly sorrow produced salvation in his life, right? God doesn't just come and say, hey, this is where you're at, reveal your problems, reveal your sin, and then never give you an out, right? That's what the enemy does. Does, that make, does this make sense? Okay. So in regards to guilt, I was asking the Lord about it, is because that can rob your life. Guilt can rob your life, like, because you really cannot go back and change the things that you've done, like plain and simple. You'll never be able to. And what I felt like the Lord said is like, but you can, but they can be redeemed. And that's the difference between God and, and the world, is what we've done can't be reversed, but they can be redeemed. So here's the thing. When you truly understand, that really, that's really good. You can feel that in the room. That's the Lord. But what, what you've done, when you see it and you're like, man, I wish I would have never, you know, I wish I would have never hurt Tyler like I hurt him. And going back to that place always in your mind is producing death in your heart. Right? Because there's no freedom there. But understanding that 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 person that made that mistake has been washed clean, has been crucified with Christ, is actually free and dead and gone. I can go back to the situation, whether that be physically or in my mind, and the Lord can redeem it in the sense of, like I've had multiple conversations with like ex-girlfriends about apologizing for the way that I treated them before I knew Jesus. And I'm not like, in the sense of redemption that when I stand, it was so crazy, I was telling Taya this, like, like I met this one girl in the, in the store that I used to date, and I remember talking to her and asking, I was like, hey, I just needed, like, I just went right up to her, I'm like, oh, this is my chance, I'm so thankful, like, because I was like, Lord, give me an opportunity, because I want to, I want to, I want to make it right, in the sense of, I want repentance for this situation, because I know that I'm free and I'm clean, but like, there's no, there's no, I can't go back and change it like I hurt them. You know what I mean? So it's like, I just remember going, I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. And they're like, no, no, it's not a big deal, this and that. And I'm like, I said, no, like, it really is a big deal. I was like, I didn't know God. And if I knew God, I would have never done what I did. And I'm not looking for their apology, to be honest with you, or their, their forgiveness. I'm not looking for their forgiveness. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a clearing of my heart. Because I believe, it was so crazy. When I stood before him or her, I was just like, it literally it literally felt like I was talking about somebody I didn't know. And that was super awesome for me. Because I was like, I'm sharing something with this person that literally, like, is not who, who I am right now in this moment. And in that, I felt like there was such, because I, what I wanted, and this is what I was asking the Lord, is I want redemption in her heart for what it looks like to be a godly man. Like, because I was a godly man that treated her not godly. Does that make sense? So the redemption that I'm looking for is not like a redemption of the relationship, obviously. Like me and Tay are already together, and she's way better than anyone I've ever met in my life. So it's like the, the, the redemption that I'm looking for is I want God to redeem the, the image of what Christ looks like because I'm called to look like Christ to her in the church, or Christ in the church. I'm called to be an example of what Christ looks like, and I was completely the opposite of that, right? So I want her to see that, like, there is a—and she was engaged, and I'm just like, like— 
I pray that you guys have the most blessed marriage and that you guys example Christ in the church because that was the redemption I was looking for because I know that I was free and that man's dead and gone, right? Like I said, the guilt that keeps coming is looking back and saying, man, I wish I could change it, but I can't. But believing that that man is long dead and gone and you might have to go back and apologize and repent and change things and, and work things out. Like what he's talking about right here, like he goes on to talk about it is there was sexual immorality in the church and he condemned it and he said like you need to cut this person off and then he, he's like they repented and there was change and he's like now I want you to forgive them and bring them back in. So there was redemption from what they wish they could go back and change but they couldn't because they were, they were tolerating sin in the church and they were like actually what he said like praising it. So what the guilt was, was looking back and there was not, it was not leading to repentance, but he says, I'm glad that it created sorrow in you because it, 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 it created this godly sorrow that created a repentance that brought you to salvation. He's like, and then later on he says, now forgive the offender and, and like bring them back in. And there's redemption that's brought back in when you understand a clear picture of guilt. So like, does anyone have a testimony of this? I feel like, do you? Because I feel like this will clear it up. <clears throat> Give me a water. Yeah. There's no water bottles. Hey. Just a cup of water. Thanks, Angel. When you're talking about um, <clears throat> condemnation, like not fit for use, that kind of a thing. I remember I was praying about this one time. This has been a little while ago. But, like, condemnation for a human being is even more like if someone's condemned to death it's because they deserve it mm -hmm. right right so that's where the enemy would like can mess with us because we know what that we deserve to be punished mm -hmm. and even you know like therapists and people know that that your body will seek to to just to con your body will seek to punish itself yeah by like kind of like what Jana was saying too you the enemy will help you replay and replay and replay and wish you would have done and wish mm. you and you feel like you deserve that agony because yeah. you did that even if you didn't mean to do it or you didn't even know you were doing it and I just think that <clears throat> so like like even as a parent or something like that say there's situations like you look back and you're like man like I'm raising my hand really high about that track you know like I read that track all the time this is your life I can still see that little black track with that big old thing like that thing would haunt me in my dreams Thanks well so I didn't know better you know what I mean my first two kids I kind of like raised uh, like with a lot of fear and then when you see your kids struggling when they become adults <laughs> present company excluded <laughs> or maybe included I don't know but that's not what I mean like you can torture you. like the enemy can help to torture you like you like I, I all I here's how I know how to redeem it yeah. because the Lord told me it's like when you're in regret like that, you are nullifying the, the crucified Jesus mm. because the wrath of God for sin, so the, all that is sin. Every time that we parent out of fear, that's sin. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like what you're saying, you just need to claim it. You just need to acknowledge it. It's, right. it's sin. It right. misses the mark. You, every little thing that we do that's not in faith and not out of love is sin. So acknowledge that, re accept it, repent of it and then so here's what the Lord he's like now you don't have to live in regret there's nothing you can do you're you're letting the enemy drain all of the creativity the life yeah. everything out now find he, he gave me a scripture teach me your 
train your fingers for battle and your hands for war. Find a scripture that you can like be like a, a touch spot or something that will. So like the Lord gave me some specific scriptures that your sons while in their youth will be like full grown olive trees. Mm -hmm. They'll be gadol. It's a Hebrew word. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> they'll be powerful and great and do great things. Like yeah. you can claim that and say, Lord, I just like, I have to leave this with you and let and trust you know, like what Jana is saying too, like people that maybe I have taught wrong in the past, I have to trust that the Holy Spirit is bigger, that all the sin and all the punishment I don't deserve, not because I'm good, there's no good thing in my flesh, mm -hmm. not because I don't, not because I'm great, but because Jesus already paid. So why, why, why do I think I have to deserve to be so punished good. again? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's that deserving part that was what the really Lord really showed me. It's like, you think you deserve it. Yeah. So you won't let yourself off the hook. Yeah. It's really pride. Yeah, that's so good. Does that make sense, Jenna? It's so good because it's, it's a, uh, like what Michelle said is, it can, and that's why I say it's so, it's such a tactic of the enemy is because this is why it's so crazy that your life is not, like the gospel is not about us just going to heaven because you'll live your entire life feeling like hell. With that mindset, that will literally rob life from you. Regret will rob life from you. Like you cannot go back and change it. So like the rest of your life, you can either live looking back and wishing you could or understand what the gospel has, a, has accomplished in your life and go, you might have to like, I'm gonna have to go back to Simon and be like, hey man, what I did to you, I'm sorry that I did it that way. I, like now I see. I was blind, but now I see and I'm not looking for you to forgive me, but I'm looking for redemption in my heart and I'm looking for redemption in their heart in the sense of I want Jesus to, to paint a good picture of what it looks like to be redeemed. And now I can walk free from this situation. And it might, it might be a redemption of a relationship. You know what I mean? Like he might be my brother that has, we had a bunch of big issues and falling out. Like there might be, that's what I say by godly sorrow produces repentance. It, it actually produces an action, right? Like it produces something in Michelle where she has to actively choose to say, okay, Jesus, these are what you promised, and even in the midst of all the problem and the sin that I've committed and, and, and caused, there is still going to be fruit because you're a redeemer of the situation. That's what I said, is it's not about going back and changing it, it's about redeeming the situation, right? Like, I've had people that have gone through, like, traumatic events that literally, like, it's like they forgot what happened because of redemption. That's amazing to me. Like, that's amazing, and, and People can say that they're suppressing it, and I would just say that you're in unbelief. But, like, I've watched people literally talk to me about things that they've done or things that have happened to them as if it was something that didn't happen to them. Like, I can't believe people go through that. That must really hurt them, this and that. And I'm like, haven't you told me that you went? I totally forgot about that. Like, no scar, no stain, no sting of sin because of what the blood of Jesus has done, right? Like, that's incredible to me. And, like, guilt wishes you could go back and do it all differently, but believing, like, there's a pastor I like to listen to. He talks about how he, he was a drug addict for 22 years and, like, hurt his kids and hurt his wife and all this stuff. Like, his, he's, like, he gets born again, changed his life forever, completely radically saved, turned on to the Lord, living for Jesus, and his daughter is now in her 20s and has no recollection of her dad being a drug addict. And she was, like, I don't know how old was she, like, seven, eight, nine, or whatever, like, she, her mom would keep her up so that when her dad came home off a bender, it would, like, teach, it would make him feel shameful, so they would remember, so she would make him feel shameful, and she literally has no recollection of it, and everybody would say that, you know, that's going to come up somewhere, but I would just believe that the gospel can change people's lives, you know, 
like she's 20 some years now and like still he, he talks about it. he's like shell has no recollection she can't even remember her dad being a drug addict and i'm like that's just this mm. that's that's my jam right there because that's just faith in the power of the gospel you know what I'm saying? That's redemption. Like, he had to come back and make, like, I'm sorry. I'm this. He said, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. She's like, dad, what are you talking about? That's what she would say. And he's just like, he's, he's mending bridges that he's burned and fixing problems because it's, it's producing repentance, but there's redemption on the backside of that. And I'm just, I love that stuff. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I just, I feel like really... Um, right when Andrew and I were about to get married, we were like in a community, you know, we were going to church, but I didn't really know Jesus super well. And so we weren't really living the way we were supposed to. We were living together and stuff like that. And we had changed churches and the church that we were at had what was called a ministry standards agreement. So in order to serve in this church, you had to like abide by certain things. Mm -hmm. And one of those things were not having premarital relations. And so I wouldn't sign the agreement, but I also really wanted to serve. And so I was like super torn about what to do. And so I talked to a friend and she's like, well, you guys should just stop doing that. And so I was like, well, I don't know how to do that. You know, and you've never done that in a relationship. And so he and I talked and he's like, well, we should just like not live together for a little while. Cause we were engaged at this point and planning to be married. And so we like decided, like went to a church service. I got super convicted and was like, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. Talked to his parents, made the plan. I was planning to move in with them. That week we found out I was pregnant with Lily. Hmm. And so I still moved out. We were going through marriage counseling and all that stuff. And we found out Lily's due date was actually our wedding date. Hmm. And so we had to like move all of that stuff up. But we, in the process, we were in marriage, like doing the premarital counseling and shared, you know, that with our pastor and his wife and all that stuff. And just the grace that was there within that, the decision to say, okay, we were doing this thing. You know what I mean? Obviously, everybody's going to know at this point because mm -hmm. I'm pregnant mm -hmm. and um, still sticking to that like choice to honor what God had put on our hearts. Mm -hmm. Awesome. like totally blessed our marriage and it really totally like changed the way that I view God and like anytime that comes up there's no shame mm -hmm. there's no shame that I didn't abide to that and the Lord has given me endless ways to communicate to my kids that like that wasn't his heart for what he wanted but he made a blessing out of it anyway mm -hmm. and so just like I don't know, I felt super convicted that, like, if you're struggling in that, if there's, like, a certain sin in your life that you feel like, oh, well, it's too late now, it's never too late to, like, walk in what the Lord so has good. for you. That's so. so good. That's so good. That's really good. Powerful, Lauren. <clears throat> All right, now Romans chapter 6, and this is what we'll finish with. Mm-hmm. Condemnation says that your life is worthy of judgment, right? Worthy to be condemned to death. Guilt says, I wish I could go back and change it, do things differently, but I can't. And it produces death. Shame says it's still who you are. Like I said at the beginning, if we do not understand that you died when you accepted Jesus, then you will live a life of shame. If we do not understand and I identify with the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus will live, a, will live a life that shame has a landing strip in. So look at 
Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> this should be read every, every Easter and at least three times to four times a month. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall he, or how shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Or do you not know? Man, I think a lot of us don't know this. Or do you not know that as many as us, as many of us as were baptized into Christ, were baptized or baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. How did God raise Jesus from the dead? By the glory and the power of God. Not by any human means, right? Jesus was not just laid and they thought he was dead in the tomb. He was dead dead, dead, 100% dead. And the glory and the power of the Holy Spirit and of God raised him from the dead. And just as by the Spirit and by the power of God, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a death to life gospel. In your life, in anyone's life that chooses to accept it and receive it, it's a death to life gospel. It is not just a prayer to go to heaven. It's not a good idea. It's not just a, it's not something you do on Sunday. It's not a good truth that you acknowledge. It's not a thought process. It's not, it's none of that. It's you died and your life is hidden in Christ. It's you died and you were crucified with Christ so that you could live and re, be raised in the newness of life. That's why Simon, no matter what he's done, no matter where he's been, in one moment when he accepts Jesus, he can die and be raised again in newness of life. He can die and be crucified with Christ and even by the glory and the power of God, which we celebrate, the ground was shaken and the stone was rolled away, that same power comes and does something in Simon's life where it raises him to newness of life. To where I don't really understand it, can't really tell you how it happens, I just know that when you believe it, man, something happens. That Simon's life, and I was just like, I love to just sit here and thank the Lord, man, like, man, I'm thankful, like, thank you for your cross because I'm experiencing the freedom, the power, the life the peace, the joy, everything that comes because I believe that my old man was dead and gone, right? So now when shame knocks on the door, when shame knocks on the door, it tells you that you still are still who you used to be, right? That's what shame tells you is, well, I made these mistakes, but that's, it's not just that you made these mistakes. Shame whispers and said, you're still that same person that made those mistakes. That's why I say the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, and the cross of Jesus Christ is the antidote for that every single time. Because when you believe that you died and you didn't just pray a prayer to go to heaven, but you identified that you, everything you were died and passed away, all things became new. So that when that thing comes, you haven't, like you said, you have, God's trained your fingers through war. That, that the revelation of the cross will rise up in your heart. And when you're worshiping the Lord, all that stuff can come. It doesn't have a place to land because the cross is so big in your heart. Because the death and the burial is so big in your heart, Right? Like the, the guys that we have, we know when we were baptized. We know when we laid it all down. We know when everything died and everything changed. It wasn't just, it wasn't just like, I don't really understand. It's like, no, I identified that I was dead and now everything that I am is now free. And I'll never go back and let that thing speak louder than what the cross has done, right? Because what that, Stacey, you want to come? We're going to finish and pray. But that's because what that's done 
is when we believe that and when we listen to the voice of shame in our lives, is shame starts to speak louder. And what it's really saying is Jared can start believing and identify with who he was. Well, let's go to Tyler. Tyler can actually believe and identify with who he was as an addict. What he'll do is still produce the same fruit of an addict. And then it'll, it'll secure and identify that, or it'll secure the identity in him that he is still who he said he says he was, or says who he wishes he'd never been, or who he wishes he could go back and change, and all these things. But the reality of the matter is that Tyler is going to stand before the Lord, and that man is not, never going to be brought up before him ever again. Right? Because something happened in Tyler's life, and if Tyler would believe it, then the power, the glory, the, 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 the freedom of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will actually make that alive in Tyler's heart to where it'll say, hey, don't you remember? You're still an addict. Hey, don't you remember? You're still a user. Hey, don't you remember? You've still done this. It's not once an addict, always an addict. That's anti-gospel. It's saying, no, don't you know that anyone that was baptized into Christ was baptized into his death? And even so, you should live in the newness of life. This is why it's so critical for us to understand that it's not just about us praying a prayer to go to heaven one day. Like, because that will not combat that in your life. Right? You can run, and I always think about this, and I'm like, Lord, this is super awesome. And I, I believe that this is like, I believe Paul lived his life like this. Is You can run, you can have anybody walk in from any one of your past, you should be able to look at that situation and not feel any shame according to it. That's what the gospel should do in your life. Right? You, you should, like, you should be able to throw an image on the screen of a sin that you committed and not feel any shame towards it because that person's long dead and gone. And that sounds really bold to say, but that's, the, that's what the gospel, like, Paul can write and say, I have defamed no man, I have defrauded no man, I have I've done nothing to any man when Paul's the one that was gathering Christians and throwing them in prison. And he's writing it to the church because he understands that. He's like, I was crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, right? Like Paul writes it in Timothy and this is what, I love the scripture. He's like, Christ Jesus came to die for sinners of whom I'm the chief because he believes, like, and he made an example of me in the sense of that other people are gonna follow Jesus in the same example of, man, I was this man and changed my whole name and everything, and now I'm completely different, right? Paul just walks into the church of Jerusalem like, hey, I'd love to hang out with you guys, and they're like, weren't you just trying to kill us like three weeks ago? And I don't know how long it was, but because Paul understood something in the gospel, and that's why he wrote, that's why the Lord had him write so much of it, is he understood something in the gospel that it was a death to life, that that man is never going to speak louder than what that man has done, Right? That what we've accomplished or what we've done and where we've been is never going to speak louder and have a say in our lives when Jesus has, has already has the highest say in our lives, right? That's why we sing he's worthy. That's why we sing he's, he's, he's amazing. It's so crazy because it's like, you, you try to like, As like, as somebody that's in, in the physical realm and in a human suit, you try to explain what that is, and you can't really put words to it. Like, I can't explain to you. 
I can't explain to you what freedom looks like in a human heart until you experience it. But when you experience it, you know what I'm talking about. Right? I can't explain. I, I don't really know how it works, to be honest with you. I don't know how that when Luke just says, yeah, I see my need and the Holy Spirit convicts his heart and he wants to be saved and wants to be free from sin and wants to be free from who he was and gives himself to it. I don't really know how in one moment God just completely washes him completely clean and now he's a brand new person. I don't understand that. But I love it and I preach it and I love to, I love to watch it happen. Right? I remember the Lord asked me one time, he said, just believe in the gospel. Just believe in the, believe in the born again experience believe that when one when when Luke just says yeah I'm in and I said all right are you in in he's like yeah I'm in in that something happens in Luke's heart and he becomes a new person he becomes what God already always intended Luke to be in one moment by the power of God and I can't really explain it it's the same reason why I can lay hands on somebody and watch them get healed and I don't really understand how that happened but I know it does happen in the physical right and then I watch Luke's life start to just transform before my eyes and I'm like praise God don't really see how that works but I know he does it. And you try to explain it super well, but it's not really an explaining thing. It's just the Holy Spirit thing. Right? It just, it's just something in the power of God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that God takes what man, what sin has done to man, and he takes away the sins of the world. I don't really understand how that works. I just know that somebody that can have sin that's as scarlet you know, as red as scarlet, can just walk away pure and washed and clean and feel pure and washed and clean in the sight of God when they understand it. And that the power of the gospel can actually just transform a man in one moment to where you're not just the person that you used to be, but you're the person that he's always intended you to be in just one moment by faith. That's incredible to me. That there's no, there is absolutely nothing that you could ever do. It just happens by grace because you believed it and gave yourself to it. Right? That's awesome to me. So this is what we're going to do. You guys can stand with me. You take that. I'm going to have our guys come up. If you want to receive Jesus, you can. I can't preach it without letting people receive it, but I'm not really an altar call guy because it's, it gets kind of like people, man, I just want, I want us to just be, I want us to be in, and I believe the Holy Spirit is just convicting people to just to be in, in. You can go. Um, Luke, pray with him. Pray with Tyler. Simon, you go with him too. Michelle, I need some emails too. So we're going to pray and Stacey's going to play and as, as, as people start to leave and stuff, you guys can just, but I believe that people are going to give their lives to Jesus and I'm going to make it available for you. Um, it's not an emotional thing. I believe like, don't come up unless you're actually sure that you want to give your life and give everything. Don't just try to come and don't just come because the music's playing and don't just come because you think you're supposed to. Don't just come because you're... You gotta give it all. It's not, and he's not looking for just a little bit. He's looking for all of it. And if, unless, you, unless you believe and want to just lay your life down and, and die so that you could live and experience the freedom, then like, don't come up. But if that's what you're looking for, then it's available for you. Okay? Let me pray for us as we finish. I'm gonna bless our day. And I'm just thankful for what Jesus is doing and what he's going to continue to do. Jesus, I just thank you. <clears throat> Man, I thank you for just the conviction in our hearts, Father, to, to, to be established in the truth of the gospel. I thank you for the conviction in our hearts to not let anything speak louder than what your son has done. 
I thank you for the conviction in our hearts, Father, to, to never let our past speak louder than the cross. I thank you, Lord, that we just be the we be people that understand and believe and are established in the death and burial of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you that we know and we're beginning to see clearly that we're dead to sin and we're alive to God. And that everything that we were is long dead and gone. We love you, Jesus. We're thankful for you, Jesus. Let that be, let that be heavy on our hearts today, Lord. Let it be something that we hold very highly and very dearly to our hearts today and throughout our week and throughout our lives, Lord. Don't let it become something that's common. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. If anybody wants to receive you, you can come forward.